This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. Every week, I think I'm going to mix up the intro because Perry has told me that all of my intros sound the same, and then I fail to mix it up. So <laughs> here we are for another episode of Pax What She Said. I am Maggie Loney, joined, of course, as always, by Perry Goldstein. And we're going back to, to a super casual format for this one because we agreed that there is just so much to talk about with this Packers-Colts matchup that... We thought we'd just kind of go position by position and and see what's up. So, Perry, since we're since we're keeping it super cash this week, <laughs> where, where do you want to start? I don't know. I mean, like just overall, like this is a really interesting game. I think when you see the Colts on the schedule, you think like that's not a team we play that often. And the last time the Packers played them, it was Andrew Luck. It was like a completely different team, as were the Packers, basically, besides having Aaron Rodgers. And um, I think it's just fun when we play opponents like this that are not super common. You know, they're AFC, so they don't really mean a ton for our NFC standings playoff-wise or anything other than the record. And now they have Philip Rivers. We've got, like, two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks that are not up against each other. They just happen to be in this game together because Aaron Rodgers hates that. Um, But I think also on that same vein, like, this Colts, team has over the course of the season, like really, I think hit their stride and we're getting them at a time where they're kind of at full strength. Like they're a little bit scarier of an opponent than I originally would have thought at the beginning of the season. And it'll be Aaron Rodgers up against this really, really, really good Colts defense. So I think overall, it's just been like a really good game. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny though, because we talked last week about how there wasn't a ton to talk about with the Jaguars matchup, another AFC South opponent. And Maybe that's because the Jaguars are a one and eight now football team and they're not as good. But, you know, I think even the Texans didn't have as much intrigue maybe as this Colts team does and this Colts game. And, you know, Phillip Rivers is a big part of it. He's posting some of his career best numbers. So I don't know if it's the offensive line that he now has um, in Indy. I'm sure that plays a big role in that. But, you know, I've we've talked about this a little bit on Happy Hour. We've talked about this um in some of our other shows that we do, but it, it really does seem like a lot of this matchup is contingent upon which Philip Rivers shows up on Sunday. You know, we've seen him look like a gold jacket wearer and we've seen him look like somebody that should have retired a couple seasons ago. And of course, last season when he was with the chargers, he very much looked like somebody that should be donning a gold jacket five years after he retires. So. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to de- it's hard to determine what Philip Rivers you you get. Um, it's 
any given Sunday, like maybe his nine children kept him up really late the night before and he's just tired. I don't know. Um, but I think like, you know, he's, he's not a mobile guy similar to Brady, but he is behind a really, really good offensive line. And so like, like you mentioned, so I think it also is kind of, we get to dictate a little bit, like the kind of Phillip rivers we get depending on how much we, how much the Packers, I hate, I always say we, how much the Packers pressure and get to Philip Rivers, you know, we kind of have that in our, in, in their, the de- the defensive front has that in their hands. They're the ability to sort of dictate how much Philip Rivers is able to do. Um, and I think that the pass rush has started to come into their own the last few games. We're starting to see guys like, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark actually like apply pressure to the quarterback, you know, collapse pockets, maybe get home once or twice a game. And so if they're able to do that, then we will, I think, mitigate some of what Phillip Rivers is really good at in the passing attack. But, you know, it's not just it's it's a it's going to be a trenches game, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's a trenches game for both sides of the ball for both teams. You know, these are two really, really good offensive lines. The Colts have one of the best front sevens in football right now. They are allowing the fewest yards per game as an entire Colts defense. Um, Like you said, we do see the pass rush kind of emerging for this Packers defense. I think it's maybe a little bit few and far between as far as where we'd like the consistency to be. But I think the last couple series that we saw against Jacksonville specifically were what you'd want to see from this team moving forward. And obviously yeah. the Jacksonville line isn't nearly as stout as the Colts offensive line, but I do think that there's room for this, uh, this Packers front to to continue building on that. So I guess that is something I want to ask you about. Jacob had posed this question to me on the pack a day podcast. And I'm curious what your thoughts are specifically about this. He asked, given what we've seen from Rashawn Gary, especially, you know, how he kind of, he kind of goes into hiding and comes back and you don't hear his name a ton. And then he has really big splash plays. And is that a consistency thing because he's not seeing the field enough or is it, you know, growing pains or a little bit, column a a little bit of column b and do you think that he warrants at this point taking snaps away from preston smith you know i don't want him to take away snaps from preston smith because i want them on the field at the same time i I want more four-man rushes from them so i think that it's to me it's it's not it's hard to determine inconsistency because i felt feel like your stats don't necessarily show how um impactful you are especially when you're you know pushing an offensive line, you know, into the quarterback and someone else gets home or, you know, there, there's ways that he's been applying pressure, I think, in the eye test that don't show up on the stat sheet. But you see, you see when him and, you know, the, the golden four, as I guess we're starting to call them, both Smiths, Kenny and Rashawn, when the four of them are on the field together, how much more impactful that is than when they're rotating with three. And we all know my issues with the three man rush. So we don't have to get into that here, but I genuinely think that if there's actually someone on our front that deserves more playing time, honestly, and unfortunately he's hurt right now is Montrevious Adams. Because I think there's guys like Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster who are just have been so 
average Joe and just like, what are you doing well right now? Are you rushing the passer? No. Are you stopping the run? Not really. So if there's someone on the front that I think deserves more snaps, it's Montrevious Adams and obvious rundown situations. It's almost like you listen to the pack a day podcast because I actually 100% agreed with you per usual. And I said that I don't want to see Rashawn take Preston snaps because I want to see them on the field together. And I, I agree with you 100% that the four man rush needs to be there. And I think Kingsley Kiki has looked really good. Pro football focus had him as one of the, the highest graded um, front seven defenders from last year's draft class. So I think we're seeing him emerge. I think Montrevious Adams looks really good. Unfortunately, like you said, he's dealing with an injury right now, but those are the guys that you want to be rotating through that front seven. And some of the stuff I noticed, you know, when I rewatched the Jacksonville game, I think one of my favorite formations for this Packers defense is when you have Rashawn and Preston on the edges, you have Kenny Clark in the middle and then Z gets to kind of roam. Because if he gets a one-on-one with a guard, it's almost always game over. And I think that Quentin Nelson obviously is not the guard to worry about doing that with on Sunday because Quentin Nelson is arguably the best guard in the NFL. But, you know, there, there's going to be opportunities for those players to get after. You know, their right guard is good, but he's not the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. or on that offensive line. So yeah, I think there's going to be opportunities for them just yeah. you know, to get after Phillip Rivers. Cause like you said, he's absolutely not mobile. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that this is an inter- just a really interesting test because I think what our front is good at, which is shooting more of the a gap and not so much, you know, having someone else kind of set the edge and allowing Z to get in there against a guard or a center is not something that they're going to be able to do because like you mentioned, Quentin Nelson is one of the best guards in the NFL and Ryan Kelly, their center is also up there in terms of like Corey Lindsley level of play. And so we're going to have to figure out how to more, you know, get around the edges versus up those, up those gaps. And I think on the same vein is, they're not just a great, you know, pass blocking offensive line, but they're also a great run blocking offensive line. And they're the Colts run game is one that I'm actually like more low key, a little bit worried about than let's say, you know, you get the Titans coming with Derrick Henry. That's very obvious, but Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor have been playing really great. And I think as a, we've seen what Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams can do on the field together as that tandem, not necessarily in like pony packages necessarily, but just having a really good rotation of guys that you can allow each to rest and know that the other is going to, you know, do what they need to do. Like that's exactly what the Colts have as well. And Frank Reich is a great coach. He's a veteran, successful NFL coach who's watched the film who will know that running the ball against this Packers defense is going to be a key of success to winning this game and beating beating the Packers and so that's what I'm expecting from them yeah and Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines are both obviously really versatile players and they both are utilized in the passing game just as much as they are in the backfield so kind of similar to the Aaron Jones Jamal Williams dynamic that you were talking about I think we're going to see a lot of screens, a lot of, you know, mesh routes, a lot of short situation because Phillip Rivers is a dink and dunk kind of quarterback. He can still give you a couple shots and he will give you shots down the field. But he, as Jacob Westendorf always says, is death by a thousand paper cuts, just like Tom Brady and just like Drew Brees were in the tail end of your career as a quarterback. You just have to be a game manager. And Phillip Rivers, again, is one of the best at doing just that. So I think the running backs are going to be a really, really big element for this Packers defense on Sunday. And I think a lot of that will come in the passing game. So 
maybe now is a good time to segue then into that Packer secondary because Jair Alexander and Kevin King are both full participants at practice this week, which would be the first time in a very long time that the Packer secondary is just about at full strength. I'm so happy as much as I'm glad that Kadar and Josh Jackson were able to get those snaps. And I think that they performed at like by any standards above expectations, um, but you never want to have both of your starters out, especially against a you know wide receiver core like T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman Jr., who, no, they're not the Bucks wide receiver core necessarily, but they're still a great duo. Um, and I would much prefer to have Kevin King and Jair back on the field together. I think it gives Mike Pettin a lot more freedom to do what he wants to do with his packages, which let's face it, it's going to be a lot of diamond nickel. Um, I think Chandon Sullivan after this past week against the Jaguars, who did not have a great game is going to be coming in a little bit wanting to set, you know, reset and prove that he, you know, that, that was just a, an anomaly and we're going to have kind of our starting secondary back together, which like you said, we haven't had in quite a while, um, to have, you know, him and, uh, Amos and Savage and, and Chandon and the, both of them back. And I think that you mentioned this on pack a day, which is that you kind of are seeing, it'll be Kevin King on Michael Pittman Jr. And Jair on T Y Hilton. I completely agree. I think that makes the most sense um, as it relates to side speed and versatility. Uh, T.Y. Hilton hasn't caught a touchdown yet this season, which is quite surprising for a wide receiver one. And, you know, let's face it, going up against Jair is going to likely mean that he probably won't have a touchdown again this season either, or not this season, sorry, this game either. Uh, So it just gives you a little bit more confidence when you know that you have your starting guys back in that secondary. Um, cause that's our, that's our defense, right? That's our, that's our bread and butter is stopping, stopping the pass. But I, I think I completely agree with you that Philip Rivers is going to do those screens, short yardage passes, rely on the run game. And that's unfortunately what the Packers defense isn't necessarily, you know, molded to stop. Um, but if we can obviously mitigate and minimize Michael Pittman Jr. and T.Y. Hilton with our starting corners back, then then that that's a start. Yeah. And that's one of the things where going into this, I know that we are keeping it casual this week, but if we did use our typical structure, uh, one of my players to watch on defense would have been Christian Kirksey. I'm excited that he's back. I know he didn't have the best performance against the Jaguars, but I think that he will you know, kind of ease back into, into the game on Sunday. And I didn't see a snap count if he played hundred percent or close to it. But the the thing I like about Christian Kirksey is that I think he takes a lot of the pressure off of guys like Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Chris Barnes has been elevated yet from the COVID reserve list. So, so. um, I like that, that Kirksey's in charge of wearing the communication helmet. And then when you pair him with a guy like Kamal Martin, you can just let him be the thumper. Right. And, you know, they don't have to think as much. And I know, you know, as a rookie, that's, that can be a big part of it is, you know, kind of the, and we haven't really seen Christian Kirksey and Kamal Martin on the field yet together, which is, I think, in my opinion, one of the best tandems in the middle of the defense. So if Christian Kirksey yeah. can kind of be your coverage guy and Kamal Martin can be your thumper and, you know, Kamal doesn't have to wear the communication helmet. I really like that as yeah. kind of the, the tone setting of the middle of the defense. I actually love that tandem too, for the same reasons. Like you get Christian Kirksey in there. He's the vet. He's got the football IQ. He gets to dictate what's going on. And then you let Kamal, 
you know, kind of be there, not behind him, but beside him technically, but you, you know what I mean? Kind of let Kamal just go out there and make plays, you know, yeah. be aggressive, use his speed, um, get after whether it's a running back or the quarterback, even potentially, you know, I think that he has a lot, a lot to learn. And I love the idea of having him on the field with a guy like Christian Kirksey, because that's kind of why we brought him in, right? Is, is not necessarily just because our inside linebacker core is kind of weak, but also because he's a leader and he's a teacher. Yeah. He's, he very much, the signing felt a lot like, you know, bringing Zadarius and Preston in. And even though the Packers drafted Rashawn Gary, you still wanted that vet presence. The same with Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. So having Christian Kirksey in there, he's on a one, two year deal. Who even knows if he'll be with the Packers beyond this season. But I think just the development that you'll see from guys like Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes, having Christian Kirksey in the room is so beneficial to, you know, the defense's development as a whole. Yeah, for sure. So let's flip it then, because I want to talk about the other defense, this Colts defense that has a phenomenal front seven and how they compare to this Packers offense. Yeah, I mean, well, yes, their front seven is that scares me a little bit because I'm I'm getting a little bit of feelings like the the Bucks game where they're going to call a lot of rushes and a lot of blitzes and let's be real. Like, yes, Aaron Rodgers has been magic in the past with creating plays and getting out of the pocket and extending plays, but this Matt LaFleur offense works its best on script. And when Aaron Rodgers is in the pocket and has a clean pocket and we've seen this season when that collapses a little bit, it doesn't necessarily run as smoothly as we would like it to. So I think that's going to be the challenge, right? Is if this front seven with guys like Justin Houston and DeForest Buckner are really causing problems for our offensive line and for Rodgers, how are him and Matt LaFleur going to respond uh, mid-game? What are the adjustments going to be mid-game and how are they going to be able to handle that? I hope that we're game planning, expecting that, but you never know. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting, too, because after the 49ers game, Aaron Rodgers had said that Fred Wagner was probably the best inside linebacker that he'd gone up against. And, you know, there were some reports on Twitter earlier this week that uh, when the Colts media told that to Darius Leonard, he basically said, OK, noted, like, you know, I'll see if I can make him change his mind kind of thing. And one of the things about Darius Leonard is that he's very speedy, just yeah. like, you know, your Devin White's from from Tampa. And, you know, we've seen what the Packers can do against really good inside linebackers. Obviously they handled the 49ers defense, the Vikings defense with Eric Kendricks. Um, so it's not like this is the position, I guess, to keep the, the closest eye on, but Darius Leonard really does feel like kind of the cog that makes that, that Colts defense go. He's just so versatile and so I, I aggressive and quick and athletic that he really yeah. kind of makes that defense function. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, because Matt LaFleur loves his motion outside runs, and those were not working against the Bucks with guys, like you said, like Devin White, who are really speedy and going to close in on the ball carrier much faster and not allow, you know, a guy like Aaron Jones to get the ball up the field, you know, make turn the corner and get the ball up the field. And I get that they have two, right? And so that, that's different than just having Darius Leonard, like you said, to deal with. But it is something to think about, you know, between having a stout front and a speedy inside linebacker, how are we going to run the ball? If maybe the outside zone runs aren't working, are we going to be able to run the ball up the gut? Like, I don't know. I expect 
it'll be likely difficult when you're going up against guys like Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner, and and the other guys that they have behind them. Yeah, and that front seven is legit. And you know, I think one of the one of the criticisms, at least kind of in the second half of the first half of the season, maybe the last four games, that was a weird way to say that, but in the last couple of games has been the desire to run on second and long. And I know that you use it to keep a defense honest. You can't always pass in second and eight situations, but it does seem kind of interesting that this is a team that even when it's not working, they're very reliant on the second and long run game. And this is not the front seven that you want to be trying to run on. And, you know, I know Aaron Rodgers joked in his presser that David Bakhtiari kind of ruined his reputation as somebody that can do quarterback sneaks. But looking at the front seven, like the guys you listed before us, Buckner, um, let's see, shit, who else? Justin Houston. I mean, they have some really talented guys up front and, it's not necessarily the guys that you would want Aaron Rodgers to be trying to sneak against on a fourth and short. No. And I mean, Rodgers did also say that sometimes those, what looks like a second and long run call is actually like an RPO where he decides that he thinks the run option is better than the pass option. So uh, to the naked eye, to the fan eye, it may look like that, but they also are understanding that you do still need to pass in those second and long situations. Um, I'm just like, I think that this is just like a really good defense from front to back and it's going to be a test. And I kind of am not almost glad that it's a test, but I am because I want to see what this offense has against teams that are likely playoff bound. I think we don't have that many of them coming up in the, the rest of the season. And I'd like to see us have success against a defense like this. And we've got an old friend in a new, in a new, on a new team in a new, uh, conference in Xavier Rhodes who ever since leaving the Vikings has looked more to his pro bowl form than he did the last couple of seasons he had with the Vikings. And that'll be kind of fun to see him and Devante up again at each other. You know, that both of them have a lot of respect for one another. And like I said, Xavier Rhodes is playing much better than he was his last season with the Vikings. Um, potentially it'll still be, you know, roads are open giving what Devonte Adams is doing this season because Devonte Adams is on a tear, but again, he has an ankle injury. So if he does play, he'll probably be limited. It's just going to be a really, really interesting all around matchup for our offense versus this defense. Yeah, so I think it's interesting, too, because last week against the Jaguars, we were pretty optimistic that Alan Lazard would come back, and they gave him one more week out. And we've seen MBS obviously emerge the last couple weeks. He is putting things together and looking more consistent. He had a career yardage day against the Jaguars on last Sunday. So, I mean, it's kind of funny. We talked about, hey, this offense is, they have all their pieces back, and we're going to finally get a glimpse at this offense for the first time since maybe the middle of the Vikings game. And now we're seeing that Devontae Adams may or may not be playing with that ankle injury. So even though Alan Lazard could be back, it just feels like this offense is still unable to find full cohesion. And, you know, like you said, I think the Colts game is probably one of the tougher matchups left on the schedule. So you want your guys to be healthy for the stretch, especially now that, you know, and things, things change in eight weeks, but that this Packers team is first in the NFC right now and looking at a first round bye in the playoffs, you want to keep your foot on the gas, but, What are your thoughts then about Alan Lazard coming back and Alan Lazard and MVS kind of shouldering that load if Devontae Adams can't play? 
I worry about it because Matt LaFleur said that Alan Lazard is going to be kind of like worked back into the rotation because they don't want to re-injure him. And I completely understand that core injuries can be really serious. He did have surgery. He's not going to be full strength. He's missed weeks of practice um, and and game time playing. It's not going to be like he's... He's not coming off of the Saints game, you know. He he's he's been out, so I definitely worry about the pressure of needing to lean on him a little bit more, and also understanding that we need him down the stretch. Um, and I think that if Adams is somewhat of a go in again a limited capacity, that would be better for Alan Lazard. But then again, you also want to make sure that Adams' ankle is okay. And no offense to MVS, he did have a wonderful game against the Jaguars, like you said, a career game. But he needs one of those other two guys to have the success that he does because without them, he's just going to get double teamed and he's not going to be able to do anything. So it it's a little concerning and I hope that Adams' ankle is okay. I know that he's one of those guys who can not practice all week and then go on Sunday and be completely fine. And both Rogers and, and LaFleur have said that, but also, you know, you, you don't want someone like Lazard coming off of an injury, having to shoulder the burden of a guy like, like Devonte Adams. Yeah. Especially when MVS, you know, we've seen in a couple instances earlier this season when he joked about the one seven treatment being no joke, if Al Lazard is limited and Devontae Adams either doesn't play or is limited and you are relying on EQ and Malik Taylor, it's not necessarily the end of the world. And we've seen what Aaron Rodgers can do with his receiving core and he'll still have his tight ends and he'll still have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but it, it is a significant blow to this offense if Al Lazard and Devontae Adams are both either limited or not playing Sunday. Yeah, I would love, love, love to see Jamal and Aaron Jones get more involved in the passing game together this weekend because they can be pretty dangerous when they're running routes and catching passes against a defense. And that could be a really nice fun if you want to go back to our typical structure here, <laughs> a really fun X factor that could catch the the, the Colts defense off guard. Um, and they're just both so versatile. And I think they're both having really great seasons. Obviously, Aaron Jones missed a, a couple of games with a calf injury, but you know, they're back now. And um, I love what they can do. And yeah, Thank you for bringing up the tight ends. You can't forget Big Bob and Jace, who I would love to see get involved a little bit more. And they, those players tend to get involved more, unfortunately, when Devontae isn't on the field because they need to. And somehow, some way, our offense actually runs quite nicely because Aaron has to distribute the ball around. And it, and it makes defenses sort of have to think more because there's more players for them to look at versus, you know, you know that he's going to go to Devonte Adams. And this is not me saying that I think we shouldn't have Devonte Adams. I'm just saying the offense has to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more versatile in where they get, where they spread the ball to. Um, and that could actually work quite nicely against this defense. I, I do want to talk about Aaron Rodgers because he's having a career year. I mean, he's got, almost his career high in touchdowns uh, through nine games. He's mm -hmm. playing some of his best football, best completion percentages and things like that. And we saw an uncharacteristic pick that he admitted he just didn't even see the defender against Jacksonville. And this secondary is arguably better than the one that he saw in Jacksonville. So if Devonte Adams can't play, I mean, what kind of performance do you think we're going to see from Aaron Rodgers on Sunday? And do you think that he'll be kind of locked and loaded because there will be fans in the stands. So I think that that's going to contribute a lot to both sides of the ball. 
Yeah, he said that he's really excited to play with fans. When I watched the Pat McAfee show this week, he sounded really juiced up for this game. Like really, really juiced up. And I don't know, there's something about Rodgers when he doesn't have Devontae. Like I think about the Raiders game last season where he had his perfect passer rating situation. And just there's something about this game to me. And and this is really just a gut intuition. I have absolutely no stats or facts to back this up by any means, but I just have this gut feeling like Aaron Rodgers is going to go on a freaking tear on Sunday if his offensive line can give him sort of the space to do that. That's obviously a big if against this defensive front, but there's just something about he's so close to 400 touchdowns. He's so close to 50,000 yards. He's right in that sweet spot in the middle of the season where, you know, he famously said, we got it. We're going to run the table. Like this, this is his time. He thrives as it gets colder. He's so good at in the, in the second half of the season. Um, And I think there's something about, being atop the NFC, maybe he's like, okay, I got to keep that status. He's the front runner for MVP right now. And and I think he's going to continue it. But again, it's all about how much our offensive line can protect him. And having all our starters back is a good indication that they'll be able to. Yeah. David Bakhtiari being back is huge. He had joked, obviously, that he had to get his penalty out of the way. So now that he is, and he's got that offsides under his belt, he'll have a clean slate for a while. But I do agree with you. I think that there's something about he joked about being in a controlled environment and obviously these are Packers. They are used to playing in all conditions. He mentioned that five of their final games, obviously either will be at Lambeau or in Chicago. So they're used to playing in the elements. It's just par for the course when you live in Wisconsin Um, and they still want that home playoff game and they want a bye week. So, you know, I don't think that they're going to use the weather as any excuse, but I think seeing Aaron Rodgers in a dome with some fans in the stands, we're going to see, a pretty explosive performance out of him. And honestly, I'm really excited for the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday, regardless of the outcome of the game, because obviously we know that Pat McAfee is a former cult and there's a lot of, a lot to discuss there for both of those guys. Yeah. It'll be a fun sort of banter situation with them. Like it was on Tuesday. And I don't know, I've been looking a lot at, at Aaron's stats this season and, they're so eerily similar to the 2011 season from like just a line perspective. And I know that the teams are very different and it maybe doesn't feel like the Packers are as dominant of a team as the 2011 team felt, but Aaron Rodgers is on another level this year. He is playing at his highest peak level and it's like nine years later and he still has this in him. And you think about all of the experience and knowledge that he's gained in the last nine years, adding on to his, you know, physical abilities to be doing what he's doing. It's almost like this might be his best season yet. And I think the fact that he's doing it in a new scheme says a lot. Uh, I think Matt LaFleur's play calling the last couple of games has only gotten better in certain situations like short yardage, red zone, et cetera. Um, I want to see them. I just want to see them go on a tear a little bit. I know that, you know, having a, you know, 476 yard game is a lot to ask right now. And especially <laughs> against this defense, who's not giving up nearly half of that to opposing quarterbacks. But I think there's something about Aaron just being so close to so many historic milestones for his own career that is going to push him to play his best. Not that he already needs that. I think he already goes out there and plays his best. And yes, he's not out there to pad his stats anymore. He just wants to win. But in this case, if he plays that way, they probably likely will also win. Um, And so I don't know. I just, I have, like I said, it's just this weird gut feeling. And I feel like he's going to have a really good game. I hope I'm right. 
<laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, like you said, he is really close to a couple different milestones here. He needs 10 touchdowns to hit 400 touchdowns. He needs like 400 and math 76, 76. <laughs> yards. So the thing I like about that, that a couple people pointed out to me on Twitter is that it likely will not happen against the Colts, but we should see him set multiple records against the bears at Lambeau field on Sunday night football. It's Which, just perfect. It's set up have so the graph perfect. ready. Like, <laughs> can you think about like, did the schedulers didn't foresee this obviously, but just how perfect is a, of a setup is that for Aaron Rodgers to reach being only the 11th player in NFL history to have 50,000 passing yards in his career against his storied rival yep. at home in Lambeau field, likely when it's freezing cold I out. I hope it's no, like, I might cry. Oh yeah. I'm on Sunday Night football. The whole world's going to be watching that. Yeah. Prime time. And we're getting prime time Rogers, who is <laughs> historically better than regular game Rogers, which I just don't even know how that's possible. He's been good on Thursday night. He's been good on Sunday night. He's been good on Monday he's, night. <laughs> he's the king of prime time. He's got, we've got prime time John money and we've got prime time AR 12. Things you love to see. All right, Maggie. So what do you, what do you think about like the outcome of this game score win loss? See, okay. So on pack a day and spoiler, cause you didn't listen yet. I called it a loss for the Packers. And the only reason that I said that one is because Jacob said, I never ever predicted a loss for the Packers in the history of us doing the podcast together, which is true. I'm an eternal optimist, but going into the season, the Colts were one of the games I had circled on my calendar that I thought would be difficult for this Packers team. And it's because their defense is the exact kind of defense that gives this Packers offense fits. And it's because their run game has looked so sound and they can dink and dunk into the kind of weaknesses of the middle of the defense where on paper, it's a really challenging matchup for the Packers. So I had the Packers losing a really close one, 27, 24 with like with a field goal kind of to close out the game. Wow. Um, I don't know how I feel about that now because of a lot of the reasons we talked about today. I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be really energized. I think we're going to see with fans in the stands more juice to use Matt LaFleur's term kind of for this team as a whole. I think that they know that the performance that they put up against Jacksonville is not going to cut it for them. And this is like you said, a, a potentially playoff caliber team and to, to beat the best or to be the best, you need to beat those really good teams. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be a one score game regardless of the outcome, but I'm not necessarily sure that I'm convinced the Colts pull this one out anymore. It's interesting that you say that because I actually also think that it's a pretty in the realm of possibilities. The Packers lose this one. And I also think that it'll be like a field goal because it just, these feel like quite evenly matched teams strength on strength is there. Uh, and it's just going to be about like kind of maybe who has the ball last and yeah. You know, I I do give the Colts the edge because their defense is better than ours. Just hands down, their defense is better than ours. And I know that our offense is the strength, but at the same time, you know, you got to score points to win. And yeah. the Colts will definitely score points. Um, I had it more at 33-30, <laughs> but I agree with you in the, in the theory. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's you know, regardless of what happens with this Packers team, Jacob had kind of alluded to on pack a day that Packers fans always have a hard time thinking that the Packers are going to beat good football teams. And I somewhat agree with that, but I also disagree because 
you know, we we saw them play really well against the Saints, who are contenders. The Bucks game arguably is an anomaly for what we've seen out of this team so far. The Vikings have looked very, very good the last couple of weeks, and I think that the Vikings were a good football team in Week One. So, yeah, it's hard to say that this is a Packers team that underperforms. We've talked that they play down to their opponents, but I think they also they also play up to their opponents in moments, and I think that that's what we're going to see on Sunday. Is we we can't really call it a bounce back game because they won and. I, I hate saying bounce back every time the Packers lose or underperform, but I think that we're going to see a more complete holistic performance from each phase, including special teams on Sunday. I think that, you know, they, everything that could have gone wrong on Sunday went wrong and the Packers still found a way to win. So when all of those little things are not going wrong, which is the norm for this Packers team that is historically very good at protecting the football, I think we're going to see a really complete performance. I I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm just looking forward to it. I think like take the fan out of me. Uh, it's going to be a really good football game. And we got flex to prime time. We're going to get Joe Buck and Aaron. And uh, it's just going to be a, it's going to be a really good late afternoon game. Yeah, I agree. So that, I mean, I like this. This <laughs> was fun. It was, it was super cash. Um, not our usual format. We'll see. We'll see what we go back to next week for the primetime Bears game when Aaron Rodgers sets a bunch of records. But Perry, that is all the time that we have for today's episode. We have run a little bit long, but where can all the people find your wonderful work on social media? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find everything there. Obviously, I'm with the lovely Maggie Loney every Monday night for Game on Wisconsin Happy Hour. Uh, follow the Follow the podcast on Twitter and on Instagram at Pax What She Said Podcast because we have an Instagram now that's been really fun for me to make. And you're <laughs> going to get lots of fun pictures and videos on there. And we have merch. Buy our merch. It's on Cheesehead TV's uh, Teespring account. Also, our, my the Instagram links to it directly. So you don't even have to do anything. You should have to click the link and follow us on Instagram. Um, and the merch is great. Everything's really soft and comfy and good looking and I drank my coffee the other morning out of the mug and it was great. <laughs> yeah. I bought my dad a Pax what she said t-shirt. He's already worn it and loved it. It was, well, it will be his birthday next Saturday. So early birthday present for him. Uh, we'll also link to the Teespring in the Twitter bio so you can find it there as well, but you can catch me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. I'm on the Thursday pack a day podcast crew. And of course, like Perry already said, you can find us on Mondays at 6 PM Lambo time with game on Wisconsin doing happy hour where we drink beer and talk about all things green Bay Packers related. So thank you as always for listening to packs. What she said, go pack, go, go pack, go.